Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Hey everyone, it's Shady here with a very special solo episode on Crystal Zodiac, my very first book that is out on astrology and crystal healing and how you can use both in tandem to essentially navigate this crazy thing we call life because life really is crazy right now. And before I get into everything, I want to let you all know that this episode is more so for people who are new to astrology and crystal healing, those who want to understand what all the hype is about and how astrology works, as well as those who want help explaining the purpose and benefits of these mystical mediums to their non-mystical friends. Also, if you are a skeptic and think astrology is a completely made-up pseudoscience, this episode is definitely for you. But seriously, if you're on the fence about this stuff or have people in your life that do not understand your infatuation with all of this woo-woo nonsense and would really like it if you stopped sending them astrology memes at 3 a.m., please shoot them a link to this episode because I think it could really change their mind. But all of that aside, I mean, what a year 2020 has been with not only a pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement, but the multiple planet retrogrades we've been experiencing. Just a week or so ago, we had five planets in retrograde. Yes, five, which is a lot to have at the same time. And as you may or may not know, retrogrades are a time of slowing down, of reflection and introspection, and reassessing the way we go about things, And this applies to any planet's retrograde. So Mercury retrograde, which is probably the most well-known of the retrogrades, which just ended a week ago, made us reflect on how we communicate with others. Venus retrograde, which ended on June 25th, made us reflect on what we value in our relationships and connections. So the point is, retrogrades, despite all the headaches they may cause us, are really opportunities for us to check in with ourselves and ask ourselves, is the way that we've been doing things in alignment with our truth? So I just think it's really interesting that these retrogrades started during quarantine, a time when we had to stay inside by ourselves without things to distract us and totally slow down while the entire world also slowed down. So that's some serious reflection restructuring, and learning could take place. That being said, keeping grounded and prioritizing self-care has not been an easy thing to do this year. And the reason why I wanted to talk about the book isn't just to plug it for 45 minutes. I'm really here to talk about astrology and crystal healing in a larger context to let you know that, hey, These are two amazing, easily accessible tools that anyone can use for guidance and healing, and this is why. So as someone who did not have a very magical upbringing 
or was really even aware of these types of metaphysical tools growing up, I do feel like I have a very unique relationship to astrology and crystal healing because I was a skeptic at first. Since I own two astrology-focused businesses, people often assume that I've always been into this stuff, and that just isn't the case. I think the only experience I had with astrology growing up was reading horoscopes in the back of Teen Vogue, and that was basically it. So going into these subjects, I already had preconceived notions of what they were about and what they were meant to do. And I was like, how does your birthday determine your entire personality? And how does holding a rock to your forehead balance your third eye chakra? And what is a third eye chakra even? To me, it sounded like a bunch of made-up garbage devoid of any truth or credibility, and I know that that's how a lot of people see astrology. I do think the stigma attached to astrology has lessened a bit, especially with how much more mainstream it's become in recent years, but a bias does still exist against it that labels it as a made-up system and stereotypes anyone who prescribes this system as some gullible New Age hippie. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. And I am very passionate about this because I feel like I've always struggled against my more mystical side because of the way people perceived me when I told them what I did for work. Which, quick side note, I founded Love by Luna, an astrology brand in 2016, and then co-founded Moonbox, a self-care subscription service that's aligned with the lunar cycle, in 2018. Obviously, they're both very cosmic and spiritually focused, but they're also businesses. And like any business, I'm dealing with things like supply chain, shipping, sales tax, the website. But despite all that, I noticed that whenever I would tell someone that I was involved in astrology, I would just see this glaze start to come over their eyes. And I could tell that they were just like, this bitch believes in astrology? Like, okay. And this is a reaction I had from most strangers, but even people I dated too, and some friends, even though I've totally converted most of my friends to being into this stuff now. But a lot of them initially were condescending at times when it came to these topics and kind of dismissed the mystical side of things. So from the beginning, I always felt like I had to really emphasize the business side of things in order to be taken seriously. And I am a Capricorn rising, so it doesn't come as a surprise that I wanted to show the real-world value of these systems in a polished, professional, public way. And in the end, I definitely learned to embrace my mystical side more fully because, let's be honest, like I am that magical bitch. But silver lining-wise, I do think that that previous mindset helped me shape the way I approach these subjects because I understood how difficult it was going to be to get these messages across and to communicate their value to people who would not normally be interested in them. So that's why my perspective on astrology is very practical and logical, because I want anyone to be able to read stuff on my website or Instagram or in my book, and regardless of how much they know or how much they believe, They'll be able to instantly connect with the material and go, okay, hey, I can understand that. That makes sense. 
And belief is actually one of the first things that I want to address about astrology. When you tell someone you're into astrology, I guarantee one of the first questions they'll ask you is, but do you really believe in it? And I've always found this funny because people seem to think that if you believe in astrology, that's the end-all be-all for you. That's the only thing you believe in, it's your form of religion, and all other logic goes out the door. And the thing is, astrology is not a mutually exclusive system. You can quote-unquote believe in astrology, but you can still believe in things like science and evolution and genetics, you know. It's not this fanatical thing that you have to follow 24-7, and I think that's a major point that people miss. Astrology isn't the end-all be-all. It's simply another tool that you can use to see things from a different perspective and to get to know yourself better because knowing yourself is a really powerful thing. It's hard for many of us to see ourselves accurately or even want to dig deeper into our psyche and truly understand why we feel a certain way or do things a certain way and acknowledge what changes we want to make. So if you think about it, could the position of the planets at the exact time of your birth have a teeny tiny super small effect on your personality? Sure. Maybe. I could see it. But I'm also not going to completely disregard other systems around me either, like psychology. So when people ask you, do you believe in astrology? Let them know that you don't have to believe in it for it to work. You don't have to believe in it to receive value and insights from it. One thing I point out in the book is that astrology isn't a magic eight ball that's going to predict your entire future. And I think a lot of people perceive astrology to be this ultimate celestial authority when it's really just a tool that you can use to guide yourself. It prompts you to ask questions about yourself and you discover the answers. You're the one that has to do the work. So when you start to learn about all your different natal chart placements, you begin to get more deeply in tune with the different facets of your life and personality that you may not have paid much attention to before or even noticed. So for those of you who aren't familiar with natal charts, a natal chart is essentially a cosmic blueprint of where the planets were located in the sky at the exact time of your birth. So in order to get your chart done, which you can do on many sites for free, such as cafeastrology.com or astro-charts.com, and I'm not affiliated with either, they're just what I've always used, but you will need your birthday, your time of birth, and location of birth. So if you don't know your time of birth, call up your mom or whoever has your birth certificate and can verify that birth time. I have definitely made many guys call their mom so I could get this information, but you know, surprisingly, dudes in LA be catching on because a lot of them do know their birth time. It's like they got that information ready. But that aside, even if you don't know your exact birth time, you can still find out a lot of things about your chart with just your birth date and location of birth. You can just put the time in as noon and see what comes up. The only parts of your natal chart that are going to be affected by the time and might not be super accurate would be the ascendant or rising sign for sure. 
because the ascendant is the zodiac sign or constellation that was rising on the eastern horizon at your exact time of birth. And the ascendant changes signs every two hours. So obviously getting the exact time for that is important. Similarly, your moon sign might be affected by time as well, since the moon changes signs roughly every two and a half days. So if you look up the lunar cycle for the month and year you were born, look at your birthday and see if that was a day where the moon switched signs. If it didn't that day, then congratulations, you know your moon sign. But if it did, then your moon sign could either be one of those signs, the sign that started the day or the sign the moon moved into. So if you don't know your exact birth time, hopefully this can provide a little guidance. And since the moon does rule our emotions, just feel into it. And I'm sure you'll know which one you most likely are. Going back to my main point about natal charts, though, is that studying your own natal chart, whether you believe in astrology or not, is an amazing mental exercise and tool for introspection. Which means even if none of this is true, it has, at the very least, gotten you to sit down and think about who you are, your patterns, your habits, your preferences and behaviors. And I think this is so important because holding space for reflection and creating opportunities for mindfulness throughout our day is hard. It feels nearly impossible to ever be completely distraction-free or to truly be by ourselves when we have constant sources of information and mental stimulation at our fingertips. I read an article about how media and social media in particular are designed like casinos and that their atmosphere and their experience is created in a way that disconnects us from our sense of time so that we inevitably spend more time on those platforms. That's why in casinos, there aren't any windows. You don't know how long it's been. You don't know if it's day or night. And on social media, whether it's a Facebook feed or Instagram feed, it's designed as this bottomless feed so you can just keep scrolling and scrolling. And before you know it, it's been two hours when it felt like five minutes. Same thing with Netflix and autoplay, where it'll just play episode after episode and doesn't really give you too much time to react in between. It's just like, well, it's already playing. I guess I might as well just finish these next you know, 10 episodes. And that's what so many things in this modern day and age do. They are set up in a way to where it's incredibly easy to stay within the current experience. I mean, the pathway is basically paid for you. There is very little, if any, resistance. Whereas on the other hand, it becomes extremely difficult to pull yourself out of the experience. If anything, fully removing yourself from whatever you're doing or choosing to end takes a lot more conscious effort, willpower, and decisiveness than the former. Moral of the story being, it has become increasingly challenging for us to filter out distractions and create moments of awareness and introspection when so many parts of our lives are on autopilot. That being said, one of the biggest benefits of astrology 
is giving you this fun system to not only learn about yourself, but discover a whole entire array of diverse perspectives in the process. And that's what I love about astrology, is that in learning about your sign and your natal chart placements, you also get to learn about other signs in the process. Because contrary to popular belief, astrology is not this general basic system that people think it is. Most people who think astrology is bullshit have never even taken a minute to learn what it's actually about or even Google it. And I am 100% guilty of this. Before I got into astrology, all I knew was that it was probably a pseudoscience because that's what I had gleaned about it over the years, either through my subconscious or whatever other small exposure I had to it. But yeah, I, I just never looked it up. All I knew was my sign, Pisces, and that there were 12 signs total. And based on that, even as a tween or a teenager in my head, I was like, okay, this system just divides people into 12 different groups by birthday, but that's so general. There's no way it can be that accurate because people are so different and just because you're the same sign, that doesn't mean you're going to have those exact same traits. It's impossible. And also, I knew people who were the same sign and they didn't seem anything alike. So just with all of that in mind, I was like, okay, I've done my research and I've concluded that this is bogus. And I feel like this is the reasoning process that most people go through with astrology, especially if they've grown up in a place or within a generation where it was largely disavowed and said to be made up, or if they haven't been exposed to it through friends who can explain it better. Now, what people don't realize and what I didn't realize at the time was how complex and individualized astrology actually is. Most people think astrology is primarily about what sign you are and it ends there. That's it. That's astrology for you. What they don't know is that your sign or more specifically your sun sign, which is determined by just your date of birth, is only one small part of the multidimensional, multifaceted, colorful being that you are. So to explain this a little bit more, I want to zoom out on the system of astrology so you can get a better sense of how it works overall. I'm going to keep things pretty general and just focus on the planets for now. If you're a beginner in all this, I'd say get comfortable with the signs and planets first, then move on to houses and then aspects. But yeah, there's just so much to astrology. It's like an endless wormhole of fun. And even I still have a lot more to learn. So don't worry about understanding everything all at once because you just won't, but that's okay. Now, in astrology, the various planets are said to govern different aspects of our lives. And when a planet is positioned in a particular sign, it takes on the traits of that sign. Your sun, moon, and rising sign are considered your big three in astrology, since these placements hold considerable influence over your chart. So I'm going to explain these a little bit more in depth. So first, 
The sun represents our identity. It is our undeniable essence. And if you think about it, this makes sense because what is the role of the sun in our solar system? It is our overall source of life and it symbolizes the vital life force within each of us. Additionally, it's positioned at the center of our solar system. The sun is what everything else revolves around and subsequently, the traits of our sun sign are central to who we are at our very core. They are the highest expression of our undiluted, authentic self and the parts of us that remain constant throughout life's ups and downs. Moving on to the moon now, in comparison to the sun, the moon is a much more mysterious entity. It's always changing and going through phases. We can only see it at night and sometimes not at all if it's a new moon. You just don't always know where it's going to be. So, the moon represents our emotional nature, our subconscious, and how we instinctively react to things. This is a more hidden, private part of our personality. It's a side of us that people don't really get to see right away unless they know us well. That being said, only the people that are close to you may be able to pick up on your moon sign traits. So if you're wondering why you have two Leo friends and one is super outgoing, open, maybe oversharing stories or TMI all the time, but your other Leo friend is very private about their personal life and doesn't like to open up, it could very well be because they have completely different moon signs. Because as I mentioned before, our moon sign is all about our emotional landscape, how we process our feelings. If you have an air sign moon, you're probably going to be more detached and analytical about emotions. You may intellectualize them or over-rationalize them. Whereas with a water sign moon, you might feel things so, so deeply and lean a lot more on your intuition. So third, we have the ascendant or rising sign. I mentioned this a bit earlier, but the Ascendant is the sign that was rising on the Eastern Horizon at the exact moment you were born. So the very minute and second you entered this world, boom, what sign is immediately on the horizon? What sign is first? And that's your rising sign. Considering this, it comes as no surprise that our rising sign represents the first impression that we make on people because it's how we portray ourselves to the world. You can think of this like your outermost self, your superficial self. And I'm not saying superficial in a shallow way, but in that it operates like your first layer. So if the sun sign is your overall self, the moon sign is your inner self, then the rising sign is your outer self. And this is why many people might mistake you for your rising sign instead of your sun sign because it's the image of ourselves that we project out into the world. So for instance, if you're a Virgo sun but you have an Aries rising, you may come across to others as a very bold, dynamic, enterprising type and perhaps more spontaneous, daring, or impulsive than your typical systematic structured Virgo. So those are the big three. And the other inner planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, 
they're all still very important parts of a natal chart too. And they govern things like our communication style, our romantic style, and our daily energetic flow, respectively. But the overarching purpose of looking at these different parts of your natal chart is to get you to think about all these different sides of yourself independently, but then also how they blend together as a whole and their combined effects. Ultimately, this is going to give you a deeper understanding of yourself, help you discover some of your talents and gifts along the way, as well as allow you to recognize where some of your shadows and challenges are, which everyone has. So what this all boils down to is really awareness. Without awareness of ourselves and our emotions and behaviors, we can't ever expect to change our way of thinking or actions. So this is why I don't see astrology as a religion per se, but rather as a tool for cultivating self-awareness. It makes us ask ourselves, do I communicate this way? What do I value in a relationship? How do I assert myself in life? How do I handle emotions? And these are all questions that we probably wouldn't ask ourselves normally. We might have some nebulous idea of how we are in love, but we're never really encouraged to sit down and analyze these things more deeply. And in the process of doing this, one of the added benefits of getting to know yourself more is getting to understand how other people experience life. Going back to natal charts, one of the first things you realize is that you're more than just your sun sign. You have all these different planets positioned in various signs, and in some part of your chart, whether it's a planet or a house, every sign is represented. It could just be one tiny placement, but still, they're all there. And when you learn more about each of the signs and what they represent, the presence and effect that they have in your chart becomes more apparent to you, which I believe does make you a more empathetic and open-minded person. For instance, for me, I never really knew what Geminis were about. I knew they got a lot of hate, and I would read the descriptions, you know, but I never really felt connected to the energy. I have a Pisces sun, Leo moon, Capricorn rising, so there was no air in my big three. But when I started to learn about Mars, the planet of energy, drive, and motivation, and saw that I had Mars in Gemini, I was like, holy shit, I totally get it now. Gemini likes variety, and I always have multiple projects going at once. Gemini energy can be scattered and fickle, and as much as my Capricorn rising would protest this, I do not have a super structured, organized approach to my day. It's very much like, ooh, we're randomly inspired right now by this thing. Let's work on that. Ignore everything else we have to do. But all things considered, I do truly feel a kinship to Gemini now and have a deeper understanding of its essence within myself, but also a greater appreciation of all Geminis because I can take my experience of it within just with this one planet and think about, well, okay, how would this energy feel in Venus in regards to romance or how would this energy feel with the moon and applying that to emotions? 
It just really makes you think outside of yourself, but in a way where you can still relate. And that's the beauty of astrology. It's a system that celebrates individuality and diversity while simultaneously acknowledging that we are all a part of a greater collective and that we're united through the shared human experience. Now, you may be wondering, okay, that's a lot on astrology. We get the message, but how does it apply to crystals and wellness? And this is something the book goes into a lot more detail on, but the reason why I wrote Crystal Zodiac was because I knew there were a lot of books on astrology already and a lot of books on crystals, but not too many that blended them together in a cute, practical, concise guidebook, which I thought was really interesting since there's a lot of overlap between the two. Like chances are, if you like astrology, you probably like crystals and vice versa. So that's how the idea was born. And in regards to mindfulness, I found that the most challenging part of mindful living is connecting our intentions with our actions. And I realized that astrology and crystals, when used together, can support both sides of these things pretty effectively. And that's what the book is about. It provides insights on your different major natal chart placements and recommends crystals to work with and guided rituals based off of those placements. Because like astrology, wellness is not a one-size-fits-most or fits-all thing. It's very personal. So what works for me might not work for you. And you aren't going to know what works for you until you try a couple of things out. And if you're like me, having very quick, simple rituals and crystal recommendations compiled in one place that were researched for me and created for me, it just takes a lot of the guesswork and overthinking out of the equation. And this isn't to say that you shouldn't follow your intuition when it comes to selecting crystals or doing rituals. By all means, follow your intuition 100%. But if you do struggle with turning intentions into action, having some clear ideas and instructions to loosely follow doesn't hurt. What's important is that you're trying stuff out and seeing what resonates, and the book is simply a jumping off point you can use as you navigate your wellness journey. So that's all the time I have for this episode, but I so very much appreciate you sticking with me until the end today. I hope you enjoyed everything. And if you want to learn more about your natal chart placements and crystal healing, you can grab a copy of my book, Crystal Zodiac by Katie Wong in stores and online. I recommend checking in with your local black owned bookstore first to see if they're carrying it, or you can check out the link in our Instagram bio. It's just at Love by Luna to see a list of available online retailers. Also, if you need any crystals or Zodiac goodies, I'm your girl. We have lots of crystal sets designed for each of the signs on Love by Luna, and you can get 10% off your order by using the code CRYSTALSMP, all one word, all caps, CRYSTAL, and then the letters SMP at checkout. 
And thank you all so much for tuning in. I love you all. And I hope these tools can help you ground yourself and nourish your spirit this year. So don't slack on the self-care. Don't slack on the rest. And if you want to share any of your thoughts with me, you can message me at Shady on Deck. Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind-the-scenes access. With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven.